Howdy, everybody. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to The Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my producer, Chris Flannery. Chris, what's going on? Not too much. Happy to be here. Yep, we've got the final week of the regular season. Always an exciting time. Still don't know who the Rangers will play in the playoffs, though we seem to have a little bit better idea. Uh, We'll probably have a very good idea after tonight, because pretty much everybody plays that, that is involved in the Rangers' playoff future. Um, three more games tonight uh, against Carolina, tomorrow against Montreal, and Friday against Washington, all at the Garden, uh, with some some things still to be determined, uh, a lot having to do with personal goals, uh, points, goals, assists, uh, franchise record for points is still in play, um, but most importantly, we'll, we'll kick it off with some updates from practice yesterday, since the Rangers didn't skate this morning. Uh, lots of good news, Andrew Kopp taking a regular spin on his usual line. Philip Heedle back in his spot. Both of them missed uh, the game in Boston with day-to-day injuries. Uh, seems like they were, in fact, day-to-day, not the Gerard Gallant day-to-day, where it could be day-to-day and it could be 10 weeks. But um, the guy that was the 10-week day-to-day absence initially, Capo Caco, also out there for practice. He kind of skated as an extra on the uh, Barkley Goodrow, Heedle, Alexi Lafreniere line. So I don't anticipate he'll be back in tonight. But the fact that he was back out there, so it's basically everybody on the roster except for Tyler Mott, who seems to be, um, without anybody saying it, seems to be done for the year with whatever happened to him in that uh, Pittsburgh game a few weeks ago. So um, lots of guys available, lots of guys on the ice, um, lots of good news for Gerard Gallant, lots of players to choose from, right time to get healthy. And especially as we'll get into when we talk later in the show, Chris, about possibilities of who they'll play the Rangers might be the only team that's getting healthy right now, and that yeah. is a very good sign. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, you know, you saw uh, over the weekend, and we'll get into it a little bit. But you saw over the weekend in Boston. You know, it's a different looking team when Cop is not in that top six when Heedles out, and Heedles I think is actually playing uh, some of the best hockey he's played um, this season so far, and maybe as a Ranger. I mean, he looks really good on that on that third line. He's getting the right matchups, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see. It, it's always. It's always a little unnerving when when players start going down like that, uh, you know, a week before the playoffs. But also, you got to figure they were traveling; it's their last road trip of the season. You know, any minor thing, they were probably going to let the guys uh, kind of sit and and make sure that they don't turn it into something major. Um, but yeah, it's nice it's nice to see the Rangers getting healthy, and that's good news about Cop uh, and Heedle potentially getting back in tonight. Yeah, you know, it's you can start with that game uh, on Saturday in Boston, which you know they they did some they did do some good things. Um, I think in general, the first two periods was a, were, were kind of a reminder of the frustrating part of this team, which the frustrating times have been few and far between with this team this year. So we're not trying to go negative right off the top here, yeah. um, but trying to force a lot of things east-west, especially in the offensive zone against the Bruins team that um, is very good in its own right and also clearly was keying on this is, you know, they're playing a team that they know is going to try to make that extra cross-ice pass or extra seam pass looking for more room uh and they were all over it and especially on the Bruins second goal where David Pasternak kind of knew that our Adam Fox was going to be looking for Artemi Panarin stepped right in front of it Eric Hollis brings Taylor Hall breakaway two nothing so um that's you know kind of been their their problem area offensively when things start to get that way and a little bit frustrating that they didn't fix it quicker um but also a reminder, like you said, Cop was out, Heedle was out, Julian Gauthier was back in, Dryden Hunt was back uh, on the on the Strom Panarin line, and really not much different from how the top 
six and just the 12 forwards looked for a lot of the first half of the season and a lot of the time up until the trade deadline. And they were pretty successful with that group. Uh, and it's amazing to look at them now and say like, oh my God, these guys, I don't know if they're going to score a goal with this lineup. Right. And they were, they did, they were able to score goals. So I feel like um, it, to me, that bolsters the Igor Shesterkin for Hart Trophy candidacy even more to see the lineup that he basically was playing behind for a lot of the season and, and they were successful during it. And just how important Cop is, um, maybe maybe the most important Ranger forward right now. I mean, they you know they've got guys that are more skilled. They've got guys that uh, have a longer track record of success. But the way that he's fit in um, and kind of fit in and ordered everybody in a certain spot, um, it's really been a remarkable kind of and and really night and day seeing them without him in that lineup on Saturday. Yeah, well, and that's what it is. I think. You know, like we talked about, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife in the way that Barclay Goudreau is. You can kind of you can put him on a, either wing. You can play him at center. You can play up the lineup, down the lineup, wherever you want to put him. Um, but just the way that he's fit in with Panarin and Strom is is unbelievable. And, and I, I'm going to give them a little nickname in a second. But but to your point, him sliding into that top six on the right side there uh, just allows everybody else to fall into place. Um, the top six is is as solidified as it's as it's been in in many years. Um, and then, it, and like we said, it puts, it puts a guy like Heedle in the right spot with Lafreniere, a little extra skill on that third line. It puts Goudreau in a position where he can, he can move up to the third line. He can play down on the fourth line, uh, depending on what kind of lineup they want to put together. So yeah, the a cop cop makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, and, and the same way it maybe bolsters, uh, Igor Shesterkin's, uh, hard trophy candidacy. It definitely bolsters, uh, Chris Drury's. GM of the year, uh, GM of the year <laughs> candidacy, like we talked about last week. But uh, I want to, I want to float something out there to you. I, I'm watching the Panarin Strom cop unit just dominate uh, games away uh, the way they did against the Islanders. The natural hat trick for cop. Obviously, uh, our Tammy Panarin's nickname is Bread, the Bread Man. We got uh, Ryan Strom, who's who's like butter with him, and Andrew Cop. What does he bring to that line? You know, he adds a little bit of. A little bit of grit, a little bit of grind. Some people call that jam. And to me, I'd like to float this out there. I think they should be called the bread, butter, and jam line. Wow. Uh, you mentioned this to me last week, and yeah. you were super excited about it. And I'm glad you're still bringing that same <laughs> excitement level to, yeah. to presenting it to the world now. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like it. It's it's a little bit of a short-timer situation for a, a line that deserves a nickname, but if sure. they could be the most important line going forward in the playoffs, and if it's a deep run, I think this bread, butter, and jam thing could catch on. And, you know, uh, well, I appreciate that. And also, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the BBJ line, whatever you want to call them. But right, I mean, that's the thing. It all kind of is predicated on how deep can they go into the playoffs here. Uh, like we've talked about, they're going to have issues over the over the summer trying to sign everybody, and, and we'll see where it goes. But to me, they're the bread, butter, and jam line, and uh, that's what I'm sticking with, and hopefully – uh, you know, three, four rounds deep in the playoffs, uh, it'll stick with everybody else too. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's the key. You, you, you get it. Your line gets a nickname when things are going really well. And off of that game on Thursday uh, at UBS Arena, uh, that was a nickname-worthy performance by the three of them, um, especially Cop. And, uh, and and just to see him be able to finish those passes, you you definitely get the sense that Panarin loves having this guy because he's a finisher and he loves having Strom too. But Strom is, you know, Strom got up to 20 goals uh, with his goal in that game, uh, which is a good marker for him. It's a career high. Um, But he has not been the finisher, I think, on that line that I think you'd need. And and to think about, you know, Cop 
got to I think twenty one for the season and and up to eight in whatever it was you know sixteen games with the Rangers. Yeah. You think about what it could be like a full season of of those at least two of those guys. We you know we're going to talk about it whenever we do a show during the summer or up up against free agency. We're going to be talking a lot about Cop versus Strom. They can't afford to keep both as things look right now unless there's a major overhaul in another area. So you're not looking at the bread, butter, and jam line lasting beyond this postseason in all likelihood. Um, but you are going to have to talk about who's the better fit. or who, you know, There's obviously more than just on-ice fit. Um, but but as I think Panarin's happiness has been a consideration a little bit in, in his couple of years here. Uh, and he's happy with Ryan Strom. He seems to be very happy with Andrew Kopp. He's, he certainly seems like he's in a great mood. I mean, he's playing really well. He had a media session last week that was hysterical. He's just—he's a very funny, uh, you know, sharp guy. Makes a lot of jokes, which is hard to do in a language that's not his first language. And uh, and he's—he's he's, his happiness. I admit, you know, might play a little bit of a role in what they decide to do going forward. And he's very happy with Andrew Kopp there. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean it's 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 obvious. I you know I we I put a couple of notes down here. It's like Panarin is playing like the Hart Trophy contender he was you know a few years ago. I mean he really looks. He's just dominating games away. He looks incredible. Um, and yeah, you know it, it's it's tough to watch them play this well together, knowing that likely only two thirds of that that line is going to come back next year. It's also interesting, like you said, obviously uh, Panarin is enjoying playing with the cop, but it's something we talked about too, when we were discussing potentially Mark Shifley coming in next season or, or another center replacing Strom Strom fits in that second. He like, he is not, um, he, he's not shy about letting the other guys shoot and score. Like he's, he's not a guy that commands, uh, you know, or demands rather that he gets the puck all the time. And he's the one with the puck on his stick. Like he's an unselfish player and he's just as happy to see, uh, you know, Panarin pass it to, to cop and, and him just be the third guy on that line and, and try to make some stuff happen when he's out there. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, it takes, it takes a different type of mindset to be a second line center. And I, I think he's, he's doing it exactly the way you'd want. Um, but yeah, like you said, we'll have to see, uh, as we get into the off season and, you know, whether Artemi Panarin is going to play a factor in, in who they end up keeping, but, um, you know, that's off season stuff. And right now that the bread, butter and jam line looks uh, fantastic. We should also mention last week, uh, Rangers had three straight shutouts when they shut out the Winnipeg Jets 3 nothing earlier in that week on Tuesday. Um, and that hadn't been done, I think, for 50 years in Rangers history. Uh, and it brought up an interesting scenario that tonight will really be kind of, the I think, the deciding factor in who wins the Jennings Trophy in the NHL, which is the team that gives up the fewest goals. It's the Rangers and the Hurricanes. They're, they're way ahead of everybody else. I think Calgary's kind of a distant third, and then it's a big drop-off to everyone else. The Rangers have never – they've given out this award since, I think, 1982. The Rangers goalies and team has never once won it. You'd have thought in the mid-2010s between Henrik Lundqvist and John Tortorella's, like, let's you know pack the house and block every shot imaginable, uh, <laughs> yeah. that they might have had a – they might have you know finished first in, in fewest goals allowed and won this award. Never happened. So – we've been talking about how dynamic they are and how and how amazing they are offensively. Obviously Shesterkin is a big reason why they haven't given up a ton of goals. But this is a team award and I think you have to give some credit to not just Gerard Gallant and Mike Kelly who's kind of his his right-hand man who draws up a lot of the systems and Gord Murphy who's their coaches the D. Um this is a group that has not played team defense well at all 
in about five years. Um, even their last playoff season, they were starting to slip a little bit in terms of their coverage in front of Lundquist. And Shesterkin gets 90% of the credit. There's no doubt about that. And I just posted a story earlier today about can he be a Hart Trophy candidate or maybe even win it and be the first goalie in seven years to do it. Probably not because there's a lot of other good candidates, but he's he's got the numbers. Yeah. Uh, and he is having an amazing season by any goaltending statistic that you measure. But it's impressive that this team, you know, that was giving up many high danger chances, tons more. They were terrible in terms of the underlying metrics up until about Christmas. And they really flipped it very well and kept chances down, kept shots against down. Um, it's uh, it's it's quite a turnaround. And the fact that they could be even in the running for this with the sort of strange season that they've had statistically is uh, – is impressive and and really kind of an underrated good aspect of this team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it makes you think that if they had this current roster to start the season, it's like they'd probably run away with it. You know, they would they wouldn't be giving up uh, nearly any goals. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's very impressive. And I think since the trade deadline, uh, this is just off the top of my head. I don't remember exactly, but I think they're tenth in the league in goals against or something like that. Like they're not, um, you know, they're 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 or expected goals again, whatever it is, they're, they're, they're in the top 10 in, in, in keeping pucks out of the net, which is, is uh, a great number. I think it also speaks to, um, you know, their penalty kill. I think, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of factors here, but yes, I think the team defense is something that goes unnoticed or underrated because of how dynamic they can be offensively. And obviously, you know, Shesterkin has made so many incredible saves throughout the season above expectation and all that, 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 that kind of takes away from the fact that they are playing a pretty sound defense. I, I do think tonight against the hurricanes, they really have to really have to commit to playing a, a play. And it's going to be that way, I think, but they have to commit to playing a playoff style game. They really have to uh, make sure that they're playing defense first here and try to capitalize on, um, you know what the hurricanes are doing. The hurricanes are, are a team that just shoots from all angles. Pucks are flying around the zone. They want to stay out of their own zone. I think the Rangers can play solid in their own zone, make sure they get pucks deep always no turnovers in the neutral zone uh, and, and try to keep the puck in the offensive zone as much as possible. They're going to be in good shape, but they need to definitely play a, a defensive oriented game tonight. And, and I think a playoff style game in, in terms of, uh, you know, keeping Carolina pinned in and, and playing physical hockey there. Yeah, and Saturday was really, you know, obviously the Jets are were eliminated soon after that game. They did, they looked like a team that had been fighting uphill for a while. The Islanders have been, you know, checked out for for a couple of weeks now, and and understandably so because of, they've been fighting uphill pretty much since day one this season. But the Bruins game was really more of a playoff style game, and aside from that frustration offensively that you saw, and and we should say Linus Allmark for the Bruins was back in net after missing a couple of weeks. He looked very good. Uh, made a couple of good saves on, on good chances. Not like the Rangers didn't get any or kind of passed their way out of good chances. Um, but the Rangers, you know, I think, and the and the giving up fewer goals, giving up fewer chances, being able to play two nothing, two one, three one games. It was something that I think uh, with a lot of the same core cast that people didn't think this team could do. Um, either you know under David Quinn that that they had all these big ticket, high powered offensive guys, and you got to turn them loose and you got to make sure that they do what they do. And, you know, maybe they don't play such great defense, but so what? Cause they're, you know, that people pay to see them do stuff at the other end of the ice. And that's all well and good for perception, but you don't win that way. And you certainly don't win in the playoffs that way. So that I think the, the most encouraging sign 
winning the Jennings Trophy would be nice, but just to see them up at the top of that list, uh, and like you said, kind of being a much tighter team in terms of shots and chances allowed uh, over the last month, even look back a couple of months, uh, they're not they're not making Eurisha Sturkin work quite as hard as they did in the first half of the season, and that helps him be fresher uh, coming into the playoffs. So there's a lot of things about giving up that few goals that are promising signs for the postseason too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, you know, it's like you talk about the same cast of characters, people potentially doubted that they could play defense like that. They're doing it. And they're also having, you know, career years, you know, everybody seems like offensively is having an unbelievable season. Panarin 96 points. He sets uh, his new career high in points. Uh, it seems like he's probably going to get to a hundred. Um, and also, you know, the other thing that I, we should mention is that he's had obviously an up and down season. It's been a kind of a weird tenure as a Ranger, but Georgiev's, I think won seven games, seven straight, right? he's <laughs> on a seven game winning streak or something like that. So he, he's, he's played better as well, which obviously, you know, the team's playing better defense, so that's going to help him out. But he's, he's kind of solidified that backup role, at least, uh, for the rest of the season. And, and that, that's that, like the bread, butter and jam line. Just don't think about it beyond the, the end of the season. We don't, have to, think, we don't have to think beyond the season. That, that's it. Um, but yeah. And, and, you know, I think one thing I wanted to mention too, we talked about how healthy they seem to be getting and, and Capo Caco might get one of these last three games. So going into game one next week, uh, we'll talk about in the last segment who that game one opponent might be uh, when the playoffs start. You put Capo Caco back in, Chris, who, you know, where do you feel like the, the lines, you know, I think we can safely say that Kreider, Zibanejad, Vitrano is line one. They're not going to mess with that. Uh, Panarin, Strom, Kopp, certainly line two or co-line one, as Gerard Gallant likes to call it. Yeah. And then you drop down to the bottom six and you've got Capo Caco healthy. So you've got essentially seven guys. Well, you've probably got 11 guys for six spots because they have so many extra guys. But you can discount Gautier and McKegg and Brodzinski. They're probably you know, at the bottom there. So now you've got essentially eight guys or seven guys for, for six spots. Who, uh, who do you, what, what do you feel like the ideal third and fourth lines are for game one of the playoffs? I mean, to me, you know, looking at what the matchups potentially are, it's Pittsburgh and Washington. I think, um, like you said, the top six solidified a third line. I have to leave Heedle and Lafreniere together. To me, I swing Goudreau off that line. I know he adds, uh, you know, a bit of grit and, and defensive responsibility and leadership on that on that third line. But I think I would slot Kako back in on that third line with Heedel and Lafreniere. It looked at times they they all haven't really been together too much. They, there's been some injuries and Lafreniere set out, but at least the the duos that have been together on that third line have have shown some chemistry. They've scored Lafreniere had two goals playing with Heedel, Kako had two goals playing with Heedel. So. You know, I'd like to see that third line uh, be together for for game one, especially if it's against Pittsburgh, which is a team that's not going to play super physical. It's like it's going to be, I think, a more skilled, uh, fast uh, series. So I would like to see that be the third line. And then I would put uh, Goudreau, Kevin Rooney and uh, Ryan Reeves together on the fourth line. And I would I would sit Hunt, um, although I don't know if, you know, obviously I think Gerard Gallant really likes what what Dryden Hunt brings to the game. To me, I think that's the the ideal bottom six, especially if you're playing Pittsburgh in that first round. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably move Goudreau off that third line too, but I'd go Goudreau, uh, Rooney, Hunt. Uh, you know, I okay. you love you love what Ryan Reeves brings emotionally to the team, um, but uh, but I think seeing him play, especially against the Bruins, um, 
you know, they, they need they need better speed out of that, especially if it's a line they're going to deploy a lot because Gallant, yeah. in addition to saying he's got two first lines, he says he's got two third lines. So <laughs> his time on ice for that for those two bottom six lines is pretty interchangeable. And if you're going to play that fourth line 10 or 11 minutes, um, I don't think Ryan Reeves can keep up in a playoff series right now, uh, especially against Pittsburgh. Against Washington, maybe a bit of a different story because right. you've got the Tom Wilson factor and the Garnet Hathaway factor. Washington is much more physical than Pittsburgh is. You know they're going to be – physical they're going to try to intimidate the rangers young defenseman they're going to try to rattle igor shesterkin so maybe you think about playing him um but i feel like reeves is probably the 13th guy in, in the 12-man rotation right now and i think you know dryden hunt I, he showed again you know he's willing to go up and play on that second line he's not a second line guy he's a fourth line guy and i think he does what he does pretty well yeah, no, I, I hear that for sure. I mean, I'm just, I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ryan Reeves guy, so I like, uh, I like having the lineup, but I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 or I understand what you're saying, certainly. I mean, I think, uh, and I think, I think that might be the way that they go. Um, but again, that's against Pittsburgh. I think against Washington, it does change the equation a little bit. And, uh, you know, you at least want Ryan Reeves out there, I think, for game one to see, you know, what, what, what's going to happen. Um, and then you have the option to put him back in depending on, you know how the series plays out, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I do think that the third line though, with the kids together, makes makes the most sense, and then you kind of figure out the fourth line as you go. All right, so we're gonna do a quick, uh, well, not quick, but uh, we'll do a little bit of a, a you know, a, a yay or nay almost segment, Chris, uh, with some of the potential for for team records that are still on the table here with three games to go. Um, We'll start with uh, Chris Kreider, who got his 51st goal against the Islanders the other night or last week. Uh, 26th power play goal, extending his franchise record and extending his lead in the in the in the league. Uh, he needs four goals to break Yarimir Yager's goal scoring record. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Does he get it in these last three games? Uh, I don't want to be this guy, but no, I don't think he gets it. <laughs> I, I think I think maybe he ties it. I don't think I don't think That's, he's going to score four goals in three I, games. I hate to say that I I'm going in the middle too and saying he's gonna get he's gonna get three and tie it and uh yeah. and that and that'll that'll be an accomplishment. Fifty four is, is a big number in twenty twenty one, twenty two. It's a big number in Ranger history. Nice to have him up there with Yogs. Um but yeah, I don't I don't think they're gonna try. They're gonna try feeding him especially that last game. They're just gonna oh, yeah. be they're gonna be getting him the puck and getting him the puck, but I'm not sure. I think tying is is the best we can hope for all right that's yeah a good for one. sure but you know what though but the 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 x factor there is like if there's you know a penalty laden games you know in the next three if there's like one where right. they get like six power plays or something like that then yeah maybe he can do it but i think realistically he probably gets he ties it but we'll see i'm rooting for him but we'll see. okay uh artemi panarin yay or nay 100 points this season yeah i think he hits 100 points really even okay yeah, he's he I, he's just the way he just looks like he's not going to be stopped, especially putting the, the I'll say it again, the bread, butter and jam line back together, uh, hopefully for the last three games here. I think he'll uh, I think he'll be able to do it for sure. Um, I'm going to say yes, but I'm not as sure as you are. I know that four points in three games is 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 nothing for him. And they do have the Canadians in there and they can certainly load up the way they did it against the Islanders and he could get. He could get four points on tomorrow night, and that'd be it. And he doesn't even need to play the last game. But right. uh, um, yeah, I you know I thought it was funny because that seemed like the much more long shot, much bigger long shot. You know, a week or so ago, and then he's just been on such a tear. Yeah, um, yeah, and that'll be nice. You know, it's it's been again since Yager that the Rangers have had a guy who had a hundred points, and um, it's a it's a much smaller. 
group of players in Ranger history than you'd think for a team that's been around that long. So, uh, again, it'd be a nice feather in his cap. And uh, considering the way that he talked the other day about you know, feeling a little out of sorts at the beginning of the season, whether that was the coaches wanted him to do that or whether he felt he needed to fit into a new system that way, whatever he changed, man, it's working. And hopefully it continues on in the playoffs. So uh, another yay or nay on Panarin, does he get? Does he break Brian Leach's record for assists with 80? That's going to be tough. I think he does. So he needs, have, he needs seven for that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be. T- I don't. I don't think he gets there. Um, I mean, man, it'll be fascinating to watch those three games if he does get to eighty assists. But yeah, I think that's going to be a tough one. I don't. I don't think he he does it. Maybe maybe eventually, but I don't think he's going to do it this year. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure on that bread butter and Jamlin. Those guys <laughs> yeah. better not better not miss on some of his passes. Yeah. Um, and one more, uh, which is a, another surprising one that's in, within reach. The Rangers sweep these last three games, six points. They will set the franchise record for most points in a season uh, with 114. Do they get it? Yay or nay? Uh, you know, I I mean, obviously, it's going to, like you said, they have to win all three games. It, if they win tonight, I think they do it. But we'll see. Tonight's Tonight's a very important game, I think. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I just don't know that that's such a priority. It, what's amazing to me is that they could do it, I mean, they could do it and still finish, uh, still not finish first. <laughs> if if Carolina, right. they, they could say they beat Carolina in a shootout and then Carolina gets two more points, like Carolina will finish ahead of them. And they, the last, you know, the, the franchise record from 14 15 is when they won the president's trophy. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's surprising considering they really haven't been in first place really at all this season that they could set a franchise record, but it's been such a wacky year, such an unbalanced year with so many good teams in the East. There's eight. You know, it's 800 point teams, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so not a huge priority. Don't think they're going to get it, but still a very impressive year. Now, uh, our, our deep dive for the last segment, um, even if they win in regulation tonight, probably need to win out to, to leapfrog Carolina at this point. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So their f- probability says they're locked into second, which means it's either the Penguins or the Caps next week for the first round series game one at the Garden whether that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We still don't know any of that. Either. Um, you see what's going on with both of those other teams. Uh, Ovechkin's out for Washington right now. Pittsburgh is missing Tristan Jari. Um, who do you want the Rangers to see in the Garden for game one next week? Uh, I would like to see the Rangers play the Penguins. I just think that that, you know, that the Crosby, Malkin, of course, they're, they're people you have to watch out for. Latang is still is still dangerous on the back end there you know it's a, it's a well-coached team like we've talked about i think mike sullivan could definitely be in you know coach of the year uh contention but i just think with the question mark in goal although the smith has actually played pretty well but let, let's say jari is back uh, you know or, or who knows what's going to happen there i still think the goaltending is an issue uh in pittsburgh like we talked about it's a less physical opponent and i think the rangers probably match up uh, you know, they can, they can match up however they want against the Penguins versus Washington, where I think Washington can probably, um, you know, they, there's, there's X factors there, especially with, with Tom Wilson and, and Ovechkin's always a, a killer against the Rangers. So to me, I'd rather take Pittsburgh in the first round It's probably less physical. And I, I think they'd be able to, uh, you know, play more of a straight up game, play a speed game, play a little more offense than they would, uh, against Washington. So I'd like to see the Penguins. It's funny that, um, you know, it's been the Rangers and the Caps saw each other seemingly every year during that mid two thousands run, and the Rangers almost you know always came out on top, except for the I think the the one year the Caps won whatever it was two thousand nine maybe. Yeah. Um, 
And it was always the Rangers are going to like slow down the Caps' super high-powered offense. Caps at Ovechkin. They had Kuznetsov. They had various other, you know, John Carlson. They have all these guys that can put the puck in the net. And a little bit of, you know, edge to their game with Tom Wilson was kind of becoming who Tom Wilson is. Um, but the Rangers were always the ones that were kind of seen as like they'll slow it down. They'll, you know, Lundqvist has they have the edge and goal, and the Rangers will have the edge and goal no matter who they play in the first round. But now it's kind of the script is flipped a little bit. Caps still have Ovechkin. He's still a fifty goal scorer, which is amazing if he's if he's healthy. Um, they still have Kuznetsov. They still have Carlson. They have some skill guys, but they have they're a beefy team. They've got Garnet Hathaway, who went to high school with Chris Kreider. Um, They've got Wilson. He's still a dangerous guy with the puck or with his elbows, whatever he chooses. Um, You know, they've got nicked out. They've got some very physical guys. And uh, I think the, the way that the caps would be able to beat the Rangers is we're going to, we're going to try to rough them up. You know, the Rangers have a young defense that, you know, three of their top four guys have never been in the playoffs before. Uh, They're going to be the ones that are going to be targeted Shesterkin, they're going to try to rattle him, whether it's with bumps or snow, you know, snowing him or a little bit or whatever they do. Um, so it's just funny that the, you know, it's kind of the the style has, has flipped a little bit. I was talking to to Brendan Smith when the, when Carolina was in a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying like, you know, they they're back in the playoffs, but they really, meaning the Rangers, his old team, they've really changed the way that they play. And we talked about how they're good defensively and they don't give up a lot of goals. And Shesterkin has been so good, but. But they are the dynamic team in either of these matchups, either against Ovechkin, who used to be a guy who would torment them, or Crosby and Malkin, who are two of the best players to still playing right now and two first ballot Hall of Famers for sure. It's it's kind of wild to think how much that's changed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, that's the th- I think that was sort of the frustration, um, you know, last season watching we look look at who's in this rangers lineup i mean they they have arguably more skill in the lineup now than they've uh you know ever had throughout the the history of the franchise and when you know when they weren't scoring or they didn't look uh particularly uh dynamic offensively that's very frustrating that's what this team is built to do obviously a lot of the additions that were made um you know the sammy blaze the the um you know different additions to the bottom six obviously tyler mott is not uh, playing right now, but that that was the idea there. Bringing in Ryan Reeves, it's like you, you have to add some of the more uh, Goudreau. You have to bring in some of the more grindy guys, guys that are going to play, um, you know, the hard minutes because they're just so stacked offensively. And and Artemi Panarin uh, is obviously one of the best players in the world. Uh, Kreider's having a career year. Zibanejad's so skilled. So yeah, it's, it it is very interesting to see that flip. And and you know, like like we're talking about, I, I that's why I'd like to see them play. Pittsburgh let them let some of these kids because it's a totally different ball game as well as they've played and you know as great as a season as they as they've had the playoffs are a different animal and so I, I'd rather they they get a team that's more similar to them uh, and and isn't going to play as physical and let let everybody kind of get accustomed to the new speed of the game the way the game's going to be called is going to be different we we know that so you know Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh feels like the right matchup to me if it ends up being Washington I think they're going to be fine but I think that like you said I think that's going to be a much heavier series and a much uh more grueling um first round matchup yeah and I I think we I failed to mention I did want to mention on Friday um whether the Rangers need it or not against Washington um I imagine they're going to sit a couple of guys just because yeah. it's Washington. I, I wouldn't put Igor Shesterkin within a country mile of Tom Wilson in a no. game that a doesn't mean anything, and b might be a, a teams that play each other in the playoffs. I, you know, they know they know who the best guy on the ice is for the Rangers. So, um, 
We'll have to see how 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 Gallant orders his goalies this week. But I have a sneaking suspicion that Shesterkin won't play on Friday. Maybe a couple other guys won't play on Friday if second place is assured. They don't care. You know, you, you can't give off the impression that you want to play one team or the other. I'm with you. I think I think they should want to play the Penguins. I think that's the matchup that suits them best. Pittsburgh has done an amazing job this year with tons of injuries and still struggling with injuries and just a lineup that that falls off a cliff, it seems, after their top few guys. Yeah. Um, and especially a decor that, you know, Latang's having a really good year, a, a nice bounce back year for him. Um, but I, I don't see a lot of other, you know, top skill or, or ability in that group. Um, they do match up well. You know, I think the games that they played this year, the two at the Garden were kind of non-competitive, but the two in Pittsburgh were really good games. And uh, so Pittsburgh can definitely get to that level, and you can never count out Crosby. But uh, as someone, as you know, since we were doing a, a podcast when I covered the Islanders before, the Islanders bounced them two of the last three years in the first round. and Pittsburgh, you know, Jari was really the main reason that Pittsburgh lost last year. But, yeah. but three years ago, the Islanders really just just clamped down and didn't let them breathe at all in that first round sweep in 2019. And I feel like this is, you know, we're getting to the point of uh, if Pittsburgh can't find another level, um, this could be the, the series that finally kind of breaks up that that triumvirate, that Crosby, Malkin, Latang core that's been so successful for well over a decade and that. There might be some big changes coming, so maybe that's good motivation for the Penguins to do a little bit more than you think they could do. But, but with the Rangers playing the way they've played over the last few months, I think that's that's a good matchup. I think they win either one, but uh, but yeah, I agree. I, I think you want to come out of it, um, you know, with fewer bumps and bruises and fewer wars that you've been through in the first round because the first round is always the one that's that can take the most out of you. So you want to come out of it feeling a little bit uh, a little bit fresher, and I think they'd be able to do that against Pittsburgh a little bit better. Yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree with that. You know, go- just going back to what you were saying about the goaltending for the rest of the way with the Rangers, obviously Igor is going to be in net tonight against the Hurricanes. Uh, if you're- uh, I don't, I don't, oh, you don't think so? Go, I don't know if I'd go obviously on that. I mean, we could oh. be, we'll, we'll know at five o'clock when, well, maybe we won't. I don't know if, I don't know if Gallant, he's sometimes he says yes, he'll tell us and sometimes not. But yeah, I I sort of had a feeling that this is the time now where, um, they, you know, if they win, they win. They're not, they're not gunning for anything. They still want to play well. Um, and if you're not going to play Igor on Friday, you want to get him a game as close to the start of the playoffs as possible. And that would obviously be tomorrow. Um, right. well, that's so what I, I was going to ask you, right? Cause they play back to back. So they play tonight. They play tomorrow. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be, I, yeah. wouldn't surprise me if they go Georgiev, Shesterkin, and Georgiev, these three okay. games. Could be, could be like, you know, if, if Igor starts tonight, I assume he starts Friday. So, um, could be wrong, but uh, that was just kind of my hunch that if they're trying to keep Igor away from the Caps big boys on Friday in a game that doesn't probably won't mean anything to the Rangers, that that's that's not a game you want Igor in and you want him to play kind of the closest to that that you can, and that would be tomorrow. But we'll see. Right. Yeah, no, well, because it's interesting because we know that Gerard Gallant does not like to start you know goalies back-to-back, and especially no, he hasn't done it all year. He's not going to do it in the last three games of the season. So, yeah. Uh, well, I think we... I think we Broke it down pretty well for these last three games coming up. Uh, I think we ne- did it, yeah. Yeah, next week we'll be talking playoffs. Uh, we'll either be recording after a game one. Uh, they could start Monday. We'll be maybe we'll do, be doing a little playoff preview. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to break it down with uh, some guests as we get along through the playoffs here. But 
As always, Chris, thanks for uh, for chiming in with your with your expert opinions. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, and I'm uh, looking forward to the plan starting next week. Pretty wild. That's right. Coming up soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening to The Garden Faithful. If you're enjoying the show so far, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us grow the show. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, and it's just $0.99 cents a month after that. And right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Chris Flannery, Arthur Staple, The Garden Faithful. Let's bring on the playoffs. Talk to you soon.